Hallelujah. All right. Well, if you have your Bibles, open up to with me to 2 Kings chapter 6. We're going to go a little old school today. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just ask that as we as I speak today, Lord, that you would you would speak, you would help me to speak the oracles of God. Help me to speak what you what is on your heart, Lord. I just ask right now that your hearts would be attentive, receptive to what you're saying. And Lord, I just ask that there would be change that comes out of today's message. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, 2 Kings chapter 6. I'll be reading out of the ESV. The title of my message today, Kids, You Are Dismissed for Children's Church. They're all, yay. You didn't want to, you didn't want to hear about floating axe heads? Okay. My son's like, no, nah, I've heard that way too much. 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 1. We're going to read a little bit. The title of my message is Swimming Axe Heads or Swimming Axe Heads and Miracle Sticks. It says in verse 1, it says, Now the sons of the prophets said to Elisha, See, the place where we dwell under your charge is too small for us. Let us go to the Jordan and each of us get a log and let us make a place for us to dwell there. And he answered, Go. Then one of them said, Be pleased to go with your servants. And he answered, I will go. So he went with them, and when they came to the Jordan, they cut down trees. But as one was felling a log, his axe head fell into the water, and he cried out, Alas, my master, it was borrowed. Then the man of God said, Where did it fall? When he showed him the place, he cut off a stick and threw it in, and it made the iron float. And he said, Take it up. So he reached out his hand, and he took it. There's an old hymn back in the day, and it goes something like this. Not one concern of ours is small if we belong to him. To teach us this, the Lord of all once made the iron swim. How many of you need a touch from the Lord or need a miracle? How many have done something where you're like, you're, you're going through what God's called us to do, and it seems like, you messed up or something fell or something, you know, stopped working. And you're like, oh, no. Verse one, it says, and we're going to kind of go through this and kind of break some stuff a little bit today. We're going to kind of um, extrapolate little different parts of why this passage is so important. So in this, there, you, you know, you have this, these group of guys they're the sons of the prophets, and they talk to Elisha, and they're like, hey, man, we need to get out of here, and, and uh, you know, this place is too small, and so they are on a mission. They're trying to find new lands, and when they found new land, they start doing some work, and a guy breaks his tool, and he starts to panic. How many have ever rented something from U-Haul? I have. I put dents and stuff, and I'm panicking. Oh, no, I got to pay. How many of you have ever used somebody's car, a friend's car, and you like busted it and you're like, oh no, they're going to hate me or whatever. We've all been there where we used something and we damaged something that was used. So in verse one, it says, the company of prophets said to Elijah, look, the place where we meet with you is too small for us. So the first thing that we can take from this portion of scripture 
and where I, I believe the Lord is taking I am and even you guys as individuals is this. You are supposed to outgrow the place that you are in. You're not called to stay small. You know, my dad used to, you know, uh, when we think small, he would come up and say, you guys just have stinking thinking. Think bigger than yourselves. When we were at country camp with Tommy Rachel Birchfield, one of the, um, one of the, one of the weeks or the, the year's theme was dream big. If your dream is so big that you look at it like, I cannot accomplish this by myself without God, that is a God-given dream. You are supposed to outgrow the place that you are in. Now, I'm not talking about church or I'm not talking about your family, but I'm talking about your spiritual life or your spiritual walk. There was a time when the small jar of baby food was okay for the baby. You know, Shiloh, he just, you know, as nine months now, he's starting to eat food like the rest of us. So when we go to a restaurant, no longer am I paying for six people. I'm paying for seven people now. I'm like, oh, man, this is getting expensive. And I remember he, he's nursed, you know, he's a nursing baby, my, you know. And, and so people are like, Josh, are you really, are you one of those dads that wake up in the middle of the night and help feed your son? I'm like, yes, I do. When I wake up and he's crying and I know he's hungry, I pick him up and I roll him to Tiffany. I say, enjoy, I'll see you in the morning. Yes. That's why I love breastfed babies. I don't have to get up and make a bottle. I just, here you go, buddy. <laughs> but there was a time when he was nourished just by the milk of his mother or a baby is nourished by the formula or the milk that they were given. But it gets to a point where that milk doesn't sustain them. He'll drink some milk and he's like, okay, um, I'm still hungry. I need some French fries. You know, I need some rice. Why is everybody eating pizza over there? Maybe the place that you're at is too small for you. You see, the sheepfold was too small for David. The wine press was too small for Gideon. Egypt was too small for Moses. God created us to grow and to expand. Let me tell you something, beloved. In Genesis 1, when God created everything, when God set Adam and Eve in the garden, his, his, um, his command for them was to be fruitful and multiply. It wasn't that the garden was going to stay small in this small geographical area where it was at, but God's original intent was that the garden would grow and that people would grow through Adam and Eve. What started as two people is now about, you know, eight billion people here on the earth. God is a God of growth. If you're not growing, you're dying. So number one is God wants us to grow. Are you outgrowing your spiritual walk? And what I mean by this is that as we grow and maturing in Jesus, there is a there is a time where you start to get out of your small mindset. You see, when you're a baby Christian, we'll just say you're a baby Christian, you know, you might still slip up and say a few curse words. You might still, you know, do stuff that is contrary to the word of God. But as you mature, 
You have an understanding of your identity and who you are in Christ. And so you are able to buffet and take control of your body. You might be a brand new Christian and you're still watching pornography or, 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 or doing things that are contrary to the word. But when you are mature, you control your body and tell your body what to do. No, I'm not going to watch this. No, I'm not going to do this because it doesn't benefit me. God created us to grow and to expand. Next, verse 2, it goes on. It says, let us go to the Jordan where each of us can get a pole and let us build a place there for us to live. And the prophet said, go. Beloved, I'm here to tell you the second point of this is that nobody is going to get your destiny for you. No one is obtaining your promises. Each one of us must go and do. Now, I love this relationship with Jesus because it's not about striving, but God does his part. That means we must do our part. It is our contribution to the larger scheme of the kingdom. You see, Jordan speaks of the promised land. It speaks of your inheritance. God does his part, we must do our part. In Deuteronomy chapter 9, verse 1, it says, Hear, O Israel, thou art to pass over the Jordan this day to go and to possess nations greater and mightier than thyself, cities greater and fenced up to heaven. It is up to us to get to our destiny. The, 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 the confidence that we have in the kingdom is that all heaven is backing us. The confidence that we have in the kingdom is that Jesus gives all the answers. That's what makes it awesome. It's like cheating on a test. You know, it's like, you know, I mean, I'm not saying do this, but when, when I was in school, you know, I, I mean, by my high school, I mean, elementary school and middle school, I hated school. By, middle sc- or by high school, I was on the who's who's. I was in the top 25%, you know, whatever. But I did not like school. I found ways to cheat like it was nobody's business. Hey, how are you going to cheat on the test? Well, write all your answers on a piece of gum, and when the teacher comes, pop it in your mouth. You might get poisoned, but hey, you got to ace, you know, you, you got a 100 on your test. Or you remember those old, the, the big pens that are clear? You would get like, zero point font and then you like type out the answers and roll up and stick them in your pen and then when you turn it oh yeah we did all types of stuff oh yeah everybody's taking notes <laughs> that's why we don't have young people today so it's okay and so in order to to uh you know i had to put in work to to accomplish what i needed to accomplish to get my diploma you know we think it's you know with with jesus is that it's like going to school and you're, you're, you're doing a test. It's having the cheat code right there in front of you, but you never use it. So many people go throughout life. So many believers go throughout life and we have the cheat book right here. It's the Bible has all the answers to everything. How do I do this, this and that? But we don't read it enough to understand the answers. And then we get our teeth knocked in by the enemy. And then we're like, what's up, God? God's like, I gave you all the answers. You just got to go and read it. Nobody's getting your destiny for you. 
I'm going to say this might step on some toes. You might get a prophetic word. Yes, this is it. But you know what? Some, a lot of times prophetic words are potential, not absolute. People are going to get offended with that. A lot of times prophetic words are only potential, not absolutes. We hear a prophetic word and we think, yeah, it's going to come. But what is our part to play? Case in point, somebody, you know, Glenn might get a, a prophetic word. Glenn, I see you as the CEO of Apple. And Glenn's like, cool. But if Glenn has no clue how to run a business, he has no clue about Apple products, he has no clue about technology, his part is to go and to learn to fulfill that prophetic word. I know so many believers who have had prophetic words and they sit in their chair waiting for something to happen. It doesn't happen. I'm sorry. Sometimes it does. Sometimes you get called out and, and boom, and you, know, it, it, you know, that word comes to pass. But a lot of times you have to do something. If God calls you, you're going to be in the healing ministry, but you don't read the word. You don't spend time with Jesus. How are you supposed to operate in the gift set? I, I'm just saying people are like, People want the easy way in life, and that's not how it works. God does his part. We do our part. Verse 3, it says, Then one of them said, Won't you please come with your servants? I will, Elisha replied. You see, Elisha literally means God is salvation. Amen. Ephesians 3.20, it says this, Now until him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Ezekiel 33:15. Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. Joshua 1:5. there shall not be any man able to stand before you all the days of your life as I was with Moses so I will be with you I will not fail you nor forsake you Hebrews 13 5 I will never leave you beloved we have to be a people that in love and embrace the presence of God a lot of times we think God's a green light God God green lights everything no he's not there's a lot of times he says no Hey, I, God told us to be missionaries. I'm going for it. And then they go, and then they're broke. They get kidnapped. Something happens. And they're like, what happened? Did God really say yes, or did you get caught up in the emotion? This is why it is so key to be in the presence of God so he's the one that directs your steps. The Holy Spirit says, all right, so I want you. I want you to go here. I want you to go there. We should walk in his presence every single day. It could even get to the point of, Holy Spirit, do I go to H-E-B today or do I go to Walmart? Well, that doesn't make sense. Why? Why? That's how God rolls. That's Moses saying, if you ain't with us, I ain't going. There's ministries in town. There's people that I associate with. There's, the presence is not there. And I'm like, Lord, if the presence ain't there, I'm not going because I love and I cherish your presence. We must be a people who love the presence of God. We love the presence of the Holy Spirit and listen for his direction. Verse 4, it continues. And it says, and he went to them, and they went to the Jordan, and they began to cut down trees. Many of us 
we could say that, oh, I feel like I'm in the promised land or we're doing great and we're taking care of business. All right, that's awesome. You're doing what God's called you to do. But you, we start to begin to experience uh, some success. We're like, all right, this is awesome. This is easy. Things are going well, but then something happens. I know I've been there. You know, I've been in the, you know, we've, we have a missions organization in the West Side of San Antonio. We've been doing that for 14 years. There's times where you're like, wow, this is amazing. People are getting healed and, and people are getting saved. This is awesome, this and that. And then all of a sudden something happens and it's kind of like, Err! you come back to reality. And it's like, oh, okay, what happened? There's times that, you know, I mean, I can talk all day about this. And we all probably been experiencing where we've had success and God is breathing on something. But this is what happens. In verse five, it says, as one of them were cutting down a tree, the axe, the iron axe head fell into the water and he cries out, oh, my Lord, it was borrowed. Now, let's look at what we have here. We have this we have this gentleman and he's cutting this tree. And the axe head falls off. You see, he had pure motives. He was willing to work. His method was right. Now, sometimes your method could be wrong, but the method has to be right. One time I was goofing around and I had an axe and I think I was showing off. I don't remember what I was doing, but I was uh, chopping down a tree with an axe. And, you know, we lived in country camp. It was kind of like, this is back. I, okay, I was young. Let's just be real. It was like a young girl buffet. Interns would come in every other week. And it was like, woo! As a young kid, as a 13-year-old, you're like, wow, this is cool. And then you're junior staff, so, you know, you're on stage. And your dad is the Bible school director. And you're like, you know, you have this stuff. So I have many stories of my foolishness. And so I'm chopping this tree down, trying to show off but not chopping a dead tree. I'm chopping a fairly live and vibrant tree. And as I hit the tree, the axe ricocheted and hit my foot. Next thing I know, my laces are split open and I feel some pain. I'm like, hey, what's going on? Now still trying to be cool, you know. Um, let me just go over here. And everybody's like, oh, are you okay? And I'm like, I'm, I'm okay. And I, you know, I take my shoe off. And luckily, you know, <laughs> the Lord, he, he loved this knucklehead. You know, I cut a little bit of my foot, but not super serious. And so the method was totally wrong. But in this guy, his method was right. He was making progress. And in the midst of all the right things, something happened and the work stopped. Because something was lost, which was necessary for him to finish the work. Lord, you called me to be a missionary, and, you know, your, your, your passport expires. Lord, you called me to do this, and you don't have money to do what you need to do. You see, beloved, he didn't lose the handle of the axe head. Or, uh, he didn't lose the handle. He lost the axe head. You see, at least if he lost the handle, he can't even go through the motions. How many believers do we know who are just going through the motions? They come to church. They know how to, you know, they probably watch that wonderful YouTube videos of how to pray and grunt. You never seen that? Oh, it's an amazing. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a spoof of how to grunt and pray during prayers. So you're, as you're, you know, you're praying, somebody's praying really good. You know, as believers, as Pentecostal, we can be really good. Uh, 
Mm. Uh-huh. Yes. Shandai, Shandai, Shandai. We're good at playing the, playing the role and going through the motions. Now, I'm talking to the people who are still going through the motions. You're coming to church. You're, you're giving your tithe, but you're, you're, you're really not in it. You're not here for Jesus. You're just here because this is what society has told you to do. You come on Sundays. You give your, your, your 10%. You give your hallelujahs. And then you go on with the rest of the day acting like hell for the rest of the week. Let me say this. The anointing is to the believer as the axe head is to an axe. The anointing is to the believer like the axe head is to the axe. The worst part about losing it is that it was borrowed. The anointing is not yours. It is borrowed. God is a God of productivity. Are you using the anointing correctly? Are you walking in the anointing God has called you to walk in? I've been there. I've been, I've had the Lord, you know, give me a little pow pow. Hey, you're not walking the anointing that I've called you to do. You've not, you're not doing what I've called you to do. How did this man lose the ax head? Maybe he was cutting the wrong way. Maybe he was cutting for personal glory. Have we ever used the anointing for personal glory? hey, I'll sit here and raise my hand. I'd have no problem with it. I've done it before. I think we all had. Have you, you know, maybe it wasn't paying attention to what was happening with the ax. This guy, he's just chopping away. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's probably singing hallelujah and the ax head flies off. <laughs> have you ever been doing something and, and been so, um, and, and t- my, my whole family knows this about me. I can get very focused on stuff and I can just be like, whoosh. And, I mean, guns can be going off, bombs, nuclear bomb can go off. I wouldn't even know. I'm just so laser focused on on what I'm doing. And so maybe this is what this guy was doing. And the axe head fell off. Have you been so preoccupied with life, with uh, business, with this or that, that you start to lose the anointing? Maybe he wasn't paying attention to what was happening with the axe. The anointing started to slip, but we get so busy working for Jesus that we don't even notice. It's doing the stuff. Oh, well, I got to be a greeter, or we got to do this, or we got to do that. And we're, we have so much stuff in our life that is occupying our time that we don't realize that we are losing our anointing. This is when everyone starts getting really squirming in their seats. Oh, I hope he's not talking about me. I've been there. I've been so preoccupied, and there's a lot, and that's a scheme of the enemy to come to bombard you with so much stuff that you're not focused on Jesus, spending time in the Word, keeping that. You know, Bob Jones says when you're when you're up here or you're ministering, you're you're um, you're feeding meat, but you have to eat meat also, or you'll die. And so there's so many times that we do so much in the church or in the family or in business or in life that reading the Bible, spending time with Jesus takes a back seat 
And little by little, you start feeling the anointing to slip away. Why? Because you're not connected with the power source, which is Jesus. Maybe the axe had slipped because, it ref- because he refused to change sticks. Sometimes handles wear out. Beloved, you must be willing to change if you want to keep the axe head. Well, I, 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 I do this and I only read this much or I only spend this much time. There might have to come a change in your life. You might have to cut off friends because they're taking time out of your time with Jesus. You might have to stop doing things. You know, people look at us and they're like, well, you guys have a busy schedule and this and this and that. I'm like, yeah, we did this for a reason. My kids are homeschooled for a reason. They're not in extracurricular activities for a reason. This is their extracurricular activities. They're learning the music class, their digital computer class. (laughs) I mean, come on. But this is, I'm not saying this is for everybody. This is just our personal conviction, what we have done. What is Jesus telling you to chop off? It could be watching, you know, I, I love video games. Fellow gamer, all right. I love video games. I'm, I'm one of those guys, when I, when I purchase a game, if it's not 80-plus hours, I don't want it. It's a waste of time. I mean, I put in 200-plus hours in Assassin's Creed. I mean, and I, I would put in hours getting everything, going to completion, Mass Effect, three genres of game, all 100-plus hours. And there came to a point in my life where I realized Man, I'm just not having enough time for Jesus. And I felt the anointing starting to, to, to wane. I would pray for people and I meet personally. The other person's like, oh, glory, adios. I got, you know, whatever. Now, God is a great God. He'll take my, my, um, my, my lack. He'll take my lack and he'll do stuff with it. But in my own heart, I realized, whoa, something's amiss. Something's off. And so I went and I, I pretty much had... I. I took my PlayStation down, and I, I, don't even, I haven't played in, in years. Why? Because I had to watch and guard the anointing. I had to watch and guard what God has entrusted me. All right, going on, verse 6. It says, and then the man of God said, where, where, it, where did it fall? And he showed him the place, and he cut down a stick or a tree, and he cast it. He cast it into the water, and the iron did swim. First, the prophet asked, where did you lose it? Here's my question. You may need to go back to the place where you lost it. Where did I lose my first love, who is Jesus? Maybe it was in things. Maybe it was in movies. Maybe it was in friends. Maybe it was in business or this or that. God, take me to the place. Holy Spirit, take me to the place that is, that is that small fox that is pulling me from my destiny, that is vying for that time. Take him. Elisha said, take him to the very place. God will give you a new way to make it. He will make a way. He will make things swim when you go back. 
You might go back to the place where I lost that, that passion, that zeal, that fire. I may go back to that place. And as you go back to that place, the Lord's like, I got you. Boom. He is a God of second chance, of third chance, of fourth chance. 2,000 years ago, God threw a stick holding the dying body of the Lord Jesus Christ into the waters of humanity. And because of that solitary act, your acts, your dream, your anointing is now coming back. Luke 19.10 says, For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Verse 7 of 2 Kings. Six, seven, it says lifted out, he said, then the man reached out his hand and he took it. The Lord will give you the way he will give. He will show you the way he will give you the way he will give you the answers. But you have to reach out and take it. When that axe head started to float, he didn't just sit there and watch it. Hey, man, you guys seeing this? I've never seen iron float. He actually had to do something. When you get that prophetic word, what are you going to do? You're going to have to reach out and grab it. You can't just sit at home on your easy boy recliner, even though I love doing that, and watching, you know, your, your Netflix show or whatever. You're going to have to do it. You're going to have to reach out and take it. You're going to have to make sacrifices. Beloved, what we lost in public or what he lost in public was restored in public. We must guard what God has given you. Pay attention, watch it, protect it. John 10, 10, that the evil one comes to steal, kill, and destroy. The evil one hates your guts. He wants to steal your family. He wants to steal your word. He wants to steal your anointing so that he can eventually kill you four things and I'm done four things that I believe that we must recover number one is a dominion mentality now when it comes to about this is actually Isaiah chapter 2 verse 2 it says now it will come about that in the last days the mountain of the house of the Lord will be established as the chief of the mountains and will be raised above all the hills and all the nations will stream into you into him. We must have a dominion mentality. A dominion mentality is this. I am everywhere I'm go, I go, I'm releasing the kingdom of God. I am taking territory. I am taking land from the enemy and I'm establishing the kingdom of God. It might be at H-E-B. It might be at Walmart. You know, this, this week, on Monday, we had, a, we had four groups, or we had two groups come from, uh, from different parts of Texas. We had one from Dallas, and we had a couple that are from Dallas, Missouri, Stephenville, and they came to serve this week. Monday, I roll in. I'm like, okay, you know, I'm exhausted. I'm tired, and I'm just like, okay, here we go. Now, the west side, it could be a dark place. First thing I do, hey, everybody, welcome. All right, and I'm telling the group, well, this is what the West Side has, and this is, this is what you need to do to be safe. As I'm talking, I happen to look at our building, and there's a big bullet hole in it. And I look at the group, I said, oh, our building just got shot. Huh. 
But don't worry, guys. You guys will be all right. All these little white kids, they're all, (laughs) they all look nervous. And so, you know, we pray, we go out and do our stuff. And and I go into our building and, you know, man, Lord, the Lord, you know, the Lord was with us that nobody was in the building. But I guess from what I hear, there is a lady was telling us, oh, yeah, I heard some gunfire over your direction on Sunday or Saturday. Nobody was there, so that was great. So I'm, I'm looking, and I'm just, I get upset. I'm just like, oh, great. I said, these people just shot up our building. I said, and I'm going, and I'm, I'm pulling. I found the rounds, dug them out, took some pictures. And, you know, I'm looking out at the back of our building. Somebody broke out our windows, and I'm just kind of just like, oh, I'm so frustrated. I don't even want to do this anymore. I'm tired of fighting. I'm tired of fighting. You know, I'm in the enemy's camp. This is just, and the Lord had to remind me. and says, you know what? It's all about a dominion mentality. That week, by the end of the week, we had seven young kids come to know Jesus. That's a dominion mentality, knowing that, yes, I may be in the enemy's camp, but guess what? We're going to plunder. We're going to establish the kingdom of God here on the west side. So a dominion mentality. Guess what? I guarantee you that uh, the Satanists, the Islamic, all the false deities have no problem with dominion mentality. I've done some Muslim training, and guess what? They they have, like, they literally have a list on how to take over Texas. They are purposely, this is how we are going to bring Islam to Texas. But us Christians, we're so concerned with everything else. What are we going to eat for? Hey, what are we going to have to eat after church? What's coming on tonight? Oh, man, I don't got time for this. Everybody else is handling their business. The enemy is not taking, uh, you know, the enemy doesn't take a day off, and he is out for blood, but we're the only ones playing games. We have to stop playing games. Number two, we have to retake the authority of the believer. Mark eleven twenty three says, Truly, I say to you, whatever, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up, cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he has said is going to happen, it will be granted to him. Mark eleven twenty four. Therefore, I say to you, all things for which you pray and ask, believe that you have received them and they will be granted to you. Matthew 16, 19. I'm sorry, uh, John 14, 14. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Matthew 16, 19, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whoever, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Anything that you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Beloved, we have to take back the authority of the believer. The enemy has tried so hard to blunt the authority of the believer. Case in point, we were at a church a while back to go visit and and we were presenting some stuff to this church youth group. And while we were there, and I'm going to step on some toes with this one too. But again, I don't play games. The enemy doesn't play games. This this church and their youth group, they put up this Tai Chi in the church house. And all right, kids, everyone stand up. This is this. And they tied chi. And they literally gave the definition. And they had some dude in the background doing this. All right, guys, this is the turtle. And everybody's like, I'm like this. I look at Tiff because I know she's a filler. And, and I, I just like to tease her. I said, 
Tell me how do you feel after this? She grabs Shiloh. She walks out. She walks out of the building. I'm just standing here because I'm like, well, this group's about to go help us in, 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 on the west side. Whoa, you know, and, and I'm just kind of sitting there. We play games and the devil has blunted our authority. We have to take back our authority and say sin is sin. And we start operating in the power and authority that Jesus gave us. Stop playing around in the enemy stuff. Now, I know we like to play uh, uh, Tai Chi and yoga. I'm sorry. I don't play that. I've heard more missionaries and more people from other countries saying you Americans are dumb. That has that is we are from these nations where this stuff started from. You don't understand the power that this stuff has. Sorry if I'm stepping on toes. I'm I if once you get to know me, I don't really hold back. I call it for what it is. I don't mind if it's two people in here. <laughs> I'm about I'm a lover of truth. We have to take back our authority. We need to take back our authority as husbands in the family. And what I mean by that isn't that you rule over your family. It's stop coming out, come out your man cave and stand as the head of your family. And you're looking at Satan saying, you know what? As for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. Amen. Tiffany had this, after we were at this church that night, Tiffany has this, yeah, she, we, we prayed and all that. You know, I was in there. I was like, Lord, I just plead the blood. But that night she goes home. She has this encounter with this demonic spirit why she's sleeping. Shiloh wakes up and starts acting really weird like something is wrong. Here's the authority of a father. You get up. I'm tired as all get out. I love my sleep. Like people are like, do you dream, Josh? I said, no, I go to sleep at 10, hopefully, and I wake up at six or seven. Don't dream anything. I just wake up. I like my sleep. But I woke up because everyone's messed up. And Tiff said, something's here. And I said, all right, let's, time, let, let's rumble. So I start praying, I start interceding. That's as men, as husbands, as fathers, that's what we need to do is to take back our authority in the house and say, Satan, not on my watch. Amen. You want to come mess with us? You got to go through me. Amen. We have to say, Satan, this is my church. We're not, we, we not going to allow those little foxes to come in here. If you want to come here, you're going to have to go through me. Number three, radical obedience. 1 Samuel 15, 22, Samuel said, has the, Lord, has, the Lord as great has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Question mark. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to listen than the fat of rams. We have to be a people of radical obedience. When the Lord says this, you do it. It's not like your kids. You know, when I tell my kids, this is what you're going to do. Well, hey, dad, let's, let's negotiate. What if I do this, this, and no. Yeah, we, they're, they're, they are master negotiators. Okay, I will clean my room if these conditions are met. That's how we treat God. God says, hey, I want this. Okay, wait, hold up. Hold up. I will, I will do what you told me, but please send a prophetic word. 
Um, I want to hear the audible voice of the Lord. I, we ask all these things instead of saying, yes, sir. We had a building. We had a building in our, our, our personal church. We had a building. The Lord said, I want you to go to a house church. There was no, well, God, we have a building. We have people. Why would we do that? We just say, yes, sir. We must be a people of radical obedience. Radical means radical. It might look weird. God is tired of gummy bear Christians. Because of our lack of radical obedience, we have weak knee, jelly belly, flat foot, milk ran, banana back, pencil neck believers who kind of always are negotiating with Jesus. Well, I'll do this and this. And Jesus is like, I don't got time for this. You do what I say. The Bible says, those who love me obey my commands. Well, I will only love these people because, you know, ah, we, we, we click and we get along. Jesus is like, I don't really care. You love them regardless. Well, I don't want to, I don't want to go preach the gospel to, to these people because it's scary over there. I don't really care. I died on a cross for them. You get your butt over there and you establish the kingdom. Radical obedience. Jesus isn't probably that hardcore, but maybe he is. Number four, and lastly, fearlessness. Acts 20, 24. But none of these things move me. This is Paul. Neither I count my life dear unto myself so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. We have to be a fearless people. I used to be bound by the spirit of fear. Uh, you would not catch me on the mission field at all. Like, heck no. Or cruise, or on the west side of San Antonio. I was bound by fear. I did not like anything. You know, when, um, when we, mean, we first got married, I was telling Tiff, Tiff, we need to be on the north side, and we need to live in an apartment complex that has a gated fence. I don't want the bad folk to be getting in here. I was totally scared. It wasn't until I was challenged that you need to be set free. And I remember, you know, long story short, I'll give my testimony one of these days when I talk on fear. But um, I was just praying and said, you know what? I rebuked the spirit of fear and I felt like this thing come off me. And ever since then, I've never been fearful. Am I wise? Heck yeah. If I, when I go to Mexico or South Africa, you know, um, I'm not. That's a really dark alley down there. Those guys have guns and machete. Come on, guys, let's go preach to them. I'm not stupid. You know, I'm, I'm not dumb. I don't go stand on, on 410. Hey, guys, I know you're going at 65. I'm sorry, this is Texas. 85. You need to know Jesus. Stop. That's stupidity. I'm wise. In other words, when Jesus says, I want you to go to the west side, okay, cool. When he tells me to go to Mexico, okay, cool. We've been in El Salvador. We've had guns pulled out. <laughs> we, were in the, we, were, we did a turnaround one time in El Salvador, and our, our driver is like, he calls us, you guys are in the wrong part. You need to leave now. And we're just kind of like, okay, cool. We're in South Africa. You know, we've had guys, you know, we, we got into the wrong taxi cab. We got in with a friend, and people got upset because that's American dollars that they lose. Come and try to make us get in their taxi cab. And it's kind of like, okay, I've been in some dicey situation, but I'm not bound by fear. We have to be fearless. Beloved, Jesus is calling us to do something different. 
It takes a new breed of believer. It takes, it takes fearlessness. We need to have a dominion mindset. We need to re- bring back our authority. We need to be people who Jesus called us to be. And guess what? You might not be liked by everybody. You might stand alone by yourself. Are you willing to stand alone with Jesus? You might stand alone, but you're not really alone. You're with Jesus. So my challenge, beloved, is this. I believe God is doing something new here in San Antonio in our midst, and I at I am. What are the what's the fat that we have to we have to disconnect, cut off? Go through your life. I, I encourage you, I challenge you this week. Ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what is some stuff? What is the little small foxes that are hindering me? There might be things in your life that you're doing that aren't necessarily bad, but they're not profitable. They're not taking you to where you want to go. So we're in a new season. I'm sorry, people, you got me. (laughs) You got me for a while. (laughs) You're not going to like me, but that's okay. I love you. We have a great team here that wants to see you thrive, not die. I, I, can, I could probably encourage you and I could probably speak for the whole team that this I am is a place that you will be celebrated, not tolerated. I'm going to stop there. 